Hello, Duck fans! Good morning, it's a new week, and we're back to talk about the 64 greatest NCAA players of all time. Well, in a lot of cases, it's not just NCAA. They got a couple of players on this list that are prior to the NCAA, but we are resurrecting March Madness, trying to bring it back from the ashes of the sports apocalypse, and in so doing, we're talking about ESPN's 64 college basketball goats, and we wrapped up last time uh, halfway through the east, re their east region, and we're going to be finishing that up in the first segment. In the second segment, we're going to be doing the south region, and then uh, tomorrow we're going to wrap everything up with the Midwest region and finishing with Sabrina Ionescu. We have a special guest, uh, producer of World Renowned Sports on YouTube, Kevin McCormick. So it's going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Also on Wednesday, really excited about a special crossover edition of Locked On. We're going to be joined by my boy Q from Locked On Raiders to discuss uh, their new legendary Oregon quarterback, Marcus Mariota, uh, joining the team there. That's going to be a really exciting conversation. So Go ahead and stay tuned. Lots of great content. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to reach down here and turn the knob. The American in front, almost a cult of the United States. He's a sort of athletic beetle. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. Welcome to Locked On Ducks, your daily source of info, updates, and analysis. And during the sports apocalypse, we're also bringing you the 64 greatest college basketball players of all time, according to ESPN. You can always follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Ducks, and you can find me, Jordan Long, your host, on Twitter at the Dust Off Guy. And if you want to reach out to the show, which I always encourage, like I always say, this is the People's Podcast. Uh, use the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtag AskLodPod. I want to hear what you think about this list, who should be on it, who shouldn't be on it. But like I said in the in the cold open, this is the resurrection of March Madness, and I am joined by the producer of World Renowned Sports on YouTube, Kevin McCormick. How you doing, Kev? If you want to follow me on social media, don't, you weird stalkers. My gosh, you sound like, I think it's Big E on the New Day podcast, who <laughs> insists... That people don't follow him. <laughs> Come on, you weirdos. I just post memes that I find funny. Don't follow that. What's wrong with you? So it's at Auctuclarus, that's A-U-C-T-O-R-C-L-A-R-U-S on Twitter. A great Twitter follow. And, you know, uh, what I'd like to do today is go ahead and start off with Len Bias, because I think we finished up uh, on Saturday, halfway through the final... Uh, the the number f uh, what is it number five versus number twelve part of this bracket. And there there may have been a, a factual error or two in, in what we got through. So yeah, it's better to just uh, wipe the slate and just uh, uh, carry on. Unfortunately, yeah, Saturday's show was a bit biased, so we're going to do it over again. <sighs> yes, longtime listeners of the show, those of who follow me since uh, Longwave Radio, know that dad jokes are indeed a thing here. So uh, uh, coming in at number five is Len Bias. He. Uh, played for Maryland from 1982 to 1986. Uh, consensus All-American and two-time ACC Player of the Year. He was also Athlete of the Year for the ACC. And he was drafted by the Celtics second overall in 1986. And if it sounds like I'm skipping his stats in order to, to get to, to cut to the chase, it's because he really 
doesn't have this huge resume, and he didn't actually play in the NBA. Yeah, uh, super, super weird pick here because uh, Len Bias, I think, was picked so high, uh, mainly out of his uh, professional, you know, uh, potential. Yeah. Which, that's certainly not the first time this ever happened. It happens all the time. Right. Uh, certainly that professional career was cut very short. Was the it- 80s were a, a really interesting time for uh, NBA draft prospects because we're transitioning from, you know, freshman eligibility to, like, this era of... Two and duns, three and duns, and and so forth. Yeah, where where you have like an eighteen year old kid who really doesn't show you what he can actually do, like by the numbers, but we can see the development, and we're like, okay, this is going to become like a crazy good athlete, so we're going to take right. him as early as we can. Now, when it comes to Len Bias, and I, and I hate to say this because I think uh, addiction is an extremely important issue and deserves discussion. So in that respect, good on ESPN for bringing it to the table, but. He died of a drug overdose a few days after he was drafted. Now, it was uh, cocaine was the only thing in his system. He uh, There was no alcohol. And there wasn't this big, you know, history of drug use with him. It could be, and I'm, I don't want to rewrite history here, but it could be it was something he dabbled in. And then when he got drafted, he went back because it was his, it, it is a, a, a dormitory partying with his teammates. And that was it. So putting him on this list may be a result of... You know, an honorarium almost. It, it, honestly, right? And, and the guy could have had a messed up heart, like from the from the get go. Like we just don't know. Like right. he, he could have done one line of coke, and he just had a bad heart undiagnosed when he was a kid. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's what did him in. But I think you're absolutely right in that this is a very important story in the history of sports because it was so memorable, and he was supposed to kind of become the successor to Larry Bird. And there's that whole angle, and. Yeah, that just uh, tragically didn't happen. But it abs- obviously has nothing to do with his college career, which was uh, not awful, but not great by any means. Exactly. But um, uh, competing against him, and, and, I, and I'm and i going to have to give this one to this guy, and, and we can get to that in a second, but uh, Shane Battier. And uh, again, I love the backstories, the histories, his dad, Eddie Battle. So Shane Battier, um, you know... He, he ended up being drafted sixth overall by the then Vancouver Grizzlies and has a storied career for a guy who played at a time when you could have been one and done, right? He played for four years, 97-2001. Yeah, that almost kind of tells you that uh, he wasn't like that much of a pro prospect at that point. <laughs> I mean, like, Maybe he had to go back. Yeah, right? maybe. Yeah. Like, like Tim Duncan was the last guy who was a great professional player to play all four years. Uh, and Battier was a uh, very good pro, I would say. Uh, not a great one. Um, at Duke, you know, I, they, they, they were very good. Those were some very good Duke squads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I once saw Shane Battier uh, watch basketball for eight hours in a Buffalo Wild Wings. Really? Yes. Oh, back when you were back when you were working there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He sat there alone, this giant man sitting at a table in the middle of the dining room. Did he just eat wings and drink beer the whole time, or just he, like a glass of water and watch basketball? He was like he he did eat, but after that he was just drinking water and he was just laser focused on on the screen, which I guess tells you a little bit about these guys and like how they work. Yeah, like he, I felt like he was working more than anything. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know why you wouldn't do that back in your hotel room, which was next door, but. There you have it. Yeah, he hung out in a Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, I, and, and this might take us weird. off topic a little bit, but um, I heard a really interesting conversation on George George Ragster's podcast uh, today, and I hope to get George on the show in the coming week. But he was interviewing uh, Vernon Davis, 
and he straight up asked him, you know, have you have you been like Mamba obsessed or just really determined? <laughs> so you have this sort of right the guy who just I'm gonna watch basketball for eight hours in a Buffalo Wild Wings because I've I've got nothing else to do until the game starts. But, but there's a level beyond that. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> obsession. The, 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 the Mamba level. Yeah, and yeah. and we can talk more about that when yeah. we get to Sabrina later. So <laughs> next up is number six, Cheryl. Uh, uh, again, maybe best basketball name of all time, Cheryl Swoops. And number 11, J.J. Redick. So Cheryl Swoops uh, was a Lady Raider, and that's not like Lady Raider the way it sounds. That's just what Texas Tech called their women's basketball team back then. Um, she actually played community college for two years before transferring to Texas, Texas Tech. And she was part of that uh, 1997 uh, original class for the WNBA. Awesome. And, and she's a three-time Olympic gold medalist, phenomenal basketball player and just one of these one of these founding mothers if you will right sure. the founding mothers of, sure. of basketball uh i am a uh sexist that's <laughs> not true uh if you listen to the opening uh segment of the last episode we talked about why the WNBA has been so uh underrepresented but uh, i know nothing at all about cheryl swoops except for the fact that she's a founding member and uh legit well-deserved hall of famer that's the extent of what i know and that's that's one of the things that makes us such a, a difficult matchup with JJ Redick because when you're the the leading scorer in Duke history, you yeah. <laughs> are pretty talented basketball player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so what we really have to look at here is how much of this are we remembering when it comes to drafting? Now JJ Redick was a big name, but he was actually drafted 11th overall uh, by the Magic. Yeah, uh, and he had a fantastic and continues to have a very good pro career, very productive. Uh, he is has had a better pro career than he had any right to have, frankly. Just, f- frankly, by uh, having a great three-point stroke. Like, way better than anybody even knew. Like, he's like a rich man's uh, Jimmer Fredette, who I can't remember if we covered yet, but... Uh, yeah, uh, J.J. Redick was a uh, great heel in that Christian Leighton model. <laughs> That's right. Uh, everybody uh, hated him and loved to hate him. And he was a guy who would walk around after he hit a three and sort of like pimp his Duke jersey to people. Right, right. And yeah, it was he, he absolutely owned that sort of Duke persona. And he's uh, he's absolutely one of those guys. You know, he's right there with Leitner as far as like a great uh, college guy for Duke. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. And he's he's a really great NBA player too, by the way. He's, he, he found a role and he owned it. And he has uh, turned it into like a decade and a half of NBA play. So uh, fair play to that guy. Absolutely. And this is actually one of the much more interesting matchups on this list. I mean, this is honestly where I call it jump ball. Because Cheryl Swoops, with being as talented and as important as she was to Texas Tech history, versus a very similar career. For once, we have two very similar college careers going on. And I think I'm going to hand this to Cheryl Swoops. Whoops! In this case, because of her Olympic eligibility, as you know, uh, in her first year, it was uh, uh, as a college player. So um, I'm going to have to give this to her, even though JJ Redick and her have very parallel college careers. I I think Cheryl Swoops is a much better WNBA player than JJ Redick was an NBA player. All right, next up we got Grant Hill, number seven, against number ten, Rebecca Lobo. Uh, Grant Hill, uh, what do you say? Uh, really, really, really great college player. Drink Obviously, Sprite. uh, does drink Sprite, as, as we know. Uh, had some very famous, you know, I remember seeing those on the Spanish channel when I was a kid. And it would be like, a lot of stuff I didn't understand, and they would say, Grant Hill. A lot of stuff I didn't understand, Sprite. 
Universal uh, language. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, Grant, Grant Hill, obviously one of the greatest college players of all time. Uh, everyone uh, credits Christian Leitner, who we've yet to talk about, with right. that, uh, that one play, which I think we universally decided is uh, almost entirely due to Grant Hill. Yeah, he uh, with like a cross-court. Probably like, the greatest inbounds pass I've ever seen, better than anything Kevin Love ever did. With apologies to Kevin Love, he is great at that. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just on the money, exactly where it needed to be, and Christian Leitner hit a, a little turnaround jumper. Uh, so, yeah, Grant Hill, uh, fantastic. Probably uh, should have been Kevin Durant in the 1990s, but uh, injuries had their say. Frankly, life-threatening injuries. You know, and I would, I, just real quick, I would love to see, we were talking about Zion Williams in the ACC, and I would love to see Grant Hill just, I think he's a better ACC player. Like, we talk about Zion Williams being the best player in the ACC, and that's why he's on this list. But Grant Hill was such such an all-around better player. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a weird, like, one-on-one. It's it's kind of like Kevin Durant versus Charles Barkley. Weird, oh, weird kind good. of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, Grant Hill, obviously, uh, should have been a phenomenal professional and was a very good professional only because of injuries. Uh, Rebecca Lobo, I'm very sorry to say, uh, is another one of those that I only know her name because she's one of the uh, founding mothers of the WNBA, and I know she was great. You know what? But though? I know nothing beyond that. I think that's okay. And part of the reason for this list, and, and I've already admitted this on, posca- on the podcast several times, and that is that it has prompted this discussion. Right. Remember, we talked about how Kobe, one of Kobe Bryant's legacies, according to his wife, is he wants women's basketball to be treated like the professional sport it is and not like the hobby. So I really embraced this opportunity to find out about players that I frankly didn't study or even hear about at the time. Right. When you talk about Grant Hill in the I mean, Grant Hill and Rebecca Lobo are relatively contemporaneous, only different uh, separated by a year. Now, Rebecca Lobo is. Uh, was undefeated in in, in the, the year that she took UConn to the NCAA title. So when you're talking about such a storied basketball program and being one of their best college players, I mean, she is phenomenal. Played for all four years, too. Definitely. Final four MVP, and you know, the, the whole nine yards. And, and again, there you get into, like... When, when people are, like, big in the opening moments of a sport, like, it just brings me back to, like, Ronda Rousey. Like, absolutely part of her dominance was... In fact, the fact that the sport had not caught up yet. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if college hoops, right. if college women's hoops is that. I just haven't looked at it enough to like to, to say. But it's it's a possibility. Well, next up, we got number eight, Bobby Hurley against Allen Iverson. I got a soft spot for Allen Iverson since we watched a documentary. We'll get into that in a second. But Bobby Hurley played for Duke for four years, man, 89 through 93. Yeah, uh, certainly a great, great era, uh, though, though they had some really, really good teams. I don't know a lot about Hurley specifically, but I do know that the, those teams were uh, really good. Um, and Allen Iverson, now, this is one of those moments where I kind of wonder if the player was included on the list because of their potential. Now, I love Allen Iverson's story, and I honestly think he had the potential to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but he came along... At a time when, I mean, what was it in the documentary reel? Phil, Phil Jackson himself called Allen Iverson a thug. And, and we all know what that means at the time. Like, like this, this was a reputation and the, and the, and the trumped up charges that, that he had to suffer in, in his uh, senior year in high school just right. condemned him to not being able to have the fullest career possible. 
So this is one where I'm really torn about being on the list or not being on the list. And that's where it's like, does somebody being on the list mean they they, they only have to be for their on-the-court ability or for their also cultural impact? Because honestly, AI on the court, like almost nobody could touch that guy. Right. Like he was unbelievable. But his cultural impact was even greater than that. Like we could go on and on, like you said, about Iverson both at Georgetown, at Philly, Everything that happened after Philly was because he got absolutely yep. screwed over by the league. But uh, he's one of those guys that, uh, like like a Kaepernick, like on the field, on the court, he was unbelievable. But the cultural impact probably going to end up being quite a bit more. Yeah, I really, in, in this case, I'm going to have to give it to Bobby Hurley just because of the, the, if we're talking strictly college careers. All right, Kevin, it's really time to move on to the South region. Uh, and this is a really fun region. A lot of good names to talk about. We are going to try and get through as much as we can. We're going to have to take a break in a couple minutes. But first up, and you mentioned his name already, Christian Leitner. Not Leitmore, Christian Leitner. Boy, what do you say? And he's against uh, Jimmy Fredette. I mean, this is actually an interesting matchup. If you get rid of the shot, who is who is Leitner? I do love Christian Leitner. I love that he is a massive jerk. Well, one of my very good friends is a uh, hardcore UNC fan. Uh, still rocks his uh, I Still Hate Christian Leitner t-shirt day to day. You've got, I know you've gone into the history of, of you know, everything yeah. back, back then, but you know, it's, yeah, he's, he's a, a wonderful player. Uh, was not a fantastic pro, but was a uh, tremendous college player. And I like his personality and I like his uh, em- embracing of his heel persona. And not just that, but he backed it up. And one of the reasons that this is what makes a heel so successful, right? And for those of you who don't know what a heel is, pro wrestling, look it up. I promise you'll love it. But one of the things that makes Christian Leitner such a successful heel is the fact that he backed up everything he said with greatness. And when it comes to all-time NCAA tournament records, now this is NCAA tournament, 407 points, the most wins, and he played the most games. Out of a possible 24 games, he's played 23 and has made 142 free throws. Four Final Fours, Final Four most most uh, outstanding player, and a two-time NCAA champ. I mean, to me, he doesn't just have the, like, I'm the best player in my division. I'm the, you know, rookie of the year. It's like, no, this guy, over the course of his career, dominated the NCAA tournament. It's like, you look at the guy, and you think he looks like the villain in the 80s, like, rom-com, where he's, like, about to steal the girl from the, the hero. You know what I mean? Is Tom Brady a heel comparison to Christian <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's like Johnny in The Karate Kid. and But you, you actually, like, listen to him talk on his documentary. Like, you kind of, you like him. Like, you, you respect the heck out of him. a lot more respect yeah. for him. Yeah, absolutely. So he's actually up against number 16 in the South region, Jimmy uh, Jimmer. Uh, Fredette, and I keep doing this, I want to call him Jimmy, but his mom wanted him to have an interesting name. And apparently James was an interesting name, so she called him Jimmer. And he played for BYU, 2007 to 2011. This was not a time when a lot of uh, great college players played for four years. Uh, Jimmer was a legit phenomenon back then. I remember, like, like KD and LeBron were, like, tweeting at him when he was just, like, chucking up threes from, like, the logo. Right. And it was, like... Okay, so like he was college Steph before there was NBA Steph. Yeah, you know, that's a like, good way to put it. It was an, it, it was insane to watch. Everyone was like, like LeBron James was like, he's the best scorer in the in the in the nation or whatever. Well, he, and Steph Curry is a good comparison, but I think he was actually a better uh, a player than Steph Curry. And let me tell you why. Let me give you a stat line, and you can tell me if this isn't some of the best all around play that you've ever heard of. Averaged almost 19 points per game, uh, 3.7 assists per game. Over a steal per game at 1.2, and he actually had almost three rebounds per game. 
So we're talking about, I mean, Steph Curry that can also get three rebounds per game. Right. It, it, it's Jimmer time was a thing. It was, it was a real thing back then. He was a like real phenomenon, like a nationwide phenomenon. And I would, I would ask fans back then, like, do you think he's going to be a good pro? And literally every fan I asked, like huge basketball fans, were like, same answer. I have no idea. Yeah. That answer turned out to be, no, not really. Uh, he's playing, I think, in China right now, like trying to make an NBA comeback. You know, he's he was on some really bad NBA teams, but uh, he's in Greece now. He was in China okay. a couple years ago. Okay, yeah, uh, incredible college player though. Yeah, yeah. no argument here. You know, and, I gotta say though, in in terms of uh, strictly college output, this may be my upset of the of the number one seeds, right? Where Christian Christian Leitner loses to Jimmer Fredette simply because. Christian really banks, if you will, on that on that the shot. Dude, if KD and LeBron James are tweeting about how you're the best scorer in the nation, that's that's a big trump card. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Next up, we're going to talk about Patrick Ewing and Jerry Lucas. But before we do that, we're going to have a quick break. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host. I'm here with the producer of world-renowned sports, Kevin McCormick. Check him out on YouTube. And we're actually going to talk about number two, Patrick Ewing. This is the South region. And number 15, Jerry Lucas. Ewing, uh, obviously one of the greatest NBA centers of all time. Uh, certainly one of the greatest college centers of all time. You recently told me an uh, incredible story that I'd never heard before about how he almost played for UNC, but uh, didn't because there was a Klan rally happening on that day. Someone should have warned North Carolina to you schedule know, it for a different day. Maybe so. Oh, yeah. No, what what could have been him and uh, Jordan as uh, you know college teammates? But he, yes. he was actually eligible during the uh, one of the first players to be eligible for a freshman varsity play. Yeah, that that's uh, doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah, Pat Pat Ewing, uh, incredible. I, I have three no, title games. I, and compare that to Jerry Lucas, and again, we have this... Because Jerry played from 59 to 62 and was ineligible his freshman year, but was such a prolific college player, this is a really interesting matchup. Yeah. J- Jerry Lucas is one of those like Don Hudson type of guys, or like Crazy Legs Hirsch in the NFL or whatever, where I'm like, what? Wait, what? Who are you talking about? You know, I'm, I'm not as up on my NBA history, but... Yeah, he was uh, he was drafted by the Cincinnati Royals. If that tells you anything about NBA history, he became the Sacramento Kings. I think I'm not totally sure. San Francisco Warriors. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, uh, this one is actually a, a really hard call. I don't quite know where to come down on. I might have to favor Patrick Ewing simply because of uh, the time frame when he played. Although. A guy like Jerry Lucas gives me a lot of respect for those old school players. Yeah, it's one of those battles where you like a trailblazer versus an obviously superior player, frankly. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, next up, uh, number three, Magic Johnson against he number wins. 14, Glenn. <laughs> okay, I'll buy that for a dollar. Do we want to talk about Glenn Rice? Wolverine I mean, for five years or four years? I'm not going to lie. I love the big dog. Like, do we really have to go over Magic's, uh, you know, resume? But. I, I do love the big dog. You, you can talk about his resume if you want to. I'm not uh, just that, just that he was a fifty-eight percent field goal shooter and shot over fifty percent from three-pointer. I mean, he was a really prolific scorer, but he wasn't the all-around player that Magic was, which is why I have, a t- have to give it to Magic because I always respect the guys who have, you know, and the gals who have stats in every category. Who has been the all-around player that Magic was? <laughs> LeBron James and Larry Bird. End of list. Uh, well, especially especially when it comes to the pros. Especially when it comes to the pros. 
next up, Shamiqua Holdsclaw and uh, Trey Young. Shamiqua came in at number four in this region, and Trey Young is number thirteen. Uh, Shamiqua, uh, uh, there are a lot of lady volunteers on this list, and it makes me wonder if ESPN has like a Tennessee insider. Or if they were just that progressive when it came to women's basketball. I think the former women's coach of the Lady Vols actually has done some work with ESPN. I think that's true. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hit me up on Twitter at hashtags LodPod. That's hashtags ask L-O-D-P-O-D if you're interested in contributing to that conversation. Or any conversation for that matter. But Shamiqua is an incredibly prolific uh, college player. Really impressed with a three-time NCAA champion. And she's the first, this is the first time in women's basketball where anyone won the big game three times. Yeah, again, this is uh, Shamika Holtzclaw. I know her name because she was part of the early WNBA. Yep, and, uh, uh, the second or third draft. Not, yeah. not for any other reason. I know she was great there, and uh, that's about it. Now, Trey Young is, I th- he's one of these one-and-dones, right? And so, I mean, I'll let you talk for in a, in a second about all you want about Trey Young, but... I got a kind of a bias. I got a lend bias against the the one and dones because it, you didn't, you can't, you didn't do in one year what Shamiqua did in, uh, frankly, four years. I love Trey Young. I think he's uh, one of the great, great young players in the NBA. Uh, he should be called Trey Buckets. He's just an unbelievably great scorer. Uh, in fact, changed his number for a night when uh, Kobe Bryant died. He's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. If we're talking straight college careers, I think Shamika Holdsclaw uh, over Trey Young, I have no argument with that. If we're talking about, uh, you know, eventual influence, probably right. Trey, Trey Young most likely is going to hold the uh, win the day. But uh, Holdsclaw here, at least, I, I have no argument. So we're actually going to get a compare in the next one. A couple of careers that were both very short and both very good. Number five, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, now uh, Rip City, baby, Mello. Uh, against Larry Johnson, number 12. Now, Mello was a one-and-done. I think Larry Johnson was a two-and-done. Both, frankly, uh, national national sensations when they were there. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, there, there were honest uh, comparisons of him to LeBron James. There were mm-hmm. honest arguments about who was better back in 2003. And I myself didn't know. I was like, would I take Mello over LeBron? I don't know. Le- Larry Johnson, uh, incredible at, at UNLV. That is not a historically great program, everybody. Breaking news. But they were, like, wrecking people, largely because of uh, the grandma. So, I I don't know. That's a toss-up to me. That's a jump ball. Uh, I almost... And and this is where we start talking about awards, okay? Because Carmelo Anthony was a one-and-done. He didn't have the chance to rack up all of the... Uh, you know, like Larry was a two-time All-American and Naismith and Wooden Award winner. And uh, Sporting News, NABC, uh, the U.S. Basketball Writers Association, which makes him a consensus except for the AP poll. And uh, like Mello was actually a consensus second-team All-American. So when you have a consensus second-team All-American against a, a consensus first-team All-American plus, uh, I'm sorry, two-time first-team All-American, plus someone who's who's should be National Player of the Year, except for the AP. Are we are we comparing awards at college awards at this point? Did, did they both win a title? Like I I feel like I should know that. Did did, did LJ win a title? Because I know Melo did. 
Yeah, absolutely. Not only did Melo win, the, was an NCAA champ, but he was the Final Four most outstanding player that year. And in Larry Johnson's NC title game, NCAA title game, they destroyed Duke 103 to 73. That's which right. is the the largest margin of victory and the highest total points in a championship game. I don't know. I don't know. Take your pick. At this point, maybe I'd go a longer body of work, I yeah. guess. So I, I have to err on that because maybe, that's what I've been doing so far, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe give it to LJ just based on that, but but by like 0.01%. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting because you don't see much parody on this list. Let's see if we can get through Chris Mullen and Tamika Catchings, another great basketball name, uh, before uh, we have to finish wrap it up for the day. So, number six, Chris Mullen, against number 11, Tamika Catchings. Mullen is probably going to end up being one of the great uh, basketball executives in the history of the game. Uh, he certainly was one of the great three-point shooters. I know very, very little about his college career. But he was a very productive NBA player, and I liked him a lot when he was playing. Uh, Chris was very prolific, uh, three-time consensus All-American, so he was definitely, for every, he was good every year that he could play. Uh, Tamika, another lady volunteer, uh, is actually one of two lady voles with 2,000 points and 1K rebounds in their career. We already talked about Shamiqua uh, Holdsclaw as the other one. And I think Tamika may be one of those examples of someone who's on this list because of their WNBA career. Uh, 10-time All-Star, 7-time All-WNBA, first team, 5-time All-WNBA, second team, and, and so forth. Yeah, and uh, frankly, if this list ends up being like a, uh, a boost the WNBA kind of in endorsement of that league, I'm totally fine with that. I'm sure she had a fantastic college career too, but even just in the inclusion of their names, if that is supposed to be like a, hey, let's get people to notice this league, again, I'm great with that. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the South region uh, in the next episode. Stay tuned where we uh, start off with Candace Parker and Kevin Durant. Uh, this has been Locked on Ducks, your source for daily info and analysis on your Oregon Ducks. But, of course, when uh, there's a coronavirus sports apocalypse, we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament resurrection. And just as a reminder, you can always follow me on Twitter at TheDustOffGuy. And you can follow the show at Locked on Ducks. Send in questions and comments to hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. Also, on Wednesday, very excited this week, we're going to have a special edition of Crossover Wednesdays. We'll be talking to my boy Q, the host of Locked on Raiders, about the Oregon legend, Marcus Mariota. Until tomorrow, have a great day, and go Ducks! Go Ducks!